What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich Butler, and if this is your first time tuning into an episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, a little background before we get into some housekeeping and this week's guest. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series uh, shining the spotlight on creatives, CEOs, entrepreneurs, you name it. And we showcase the gear and various tools that they use to create content or run their businesses, whether it's a special piece of software, some hardware, or a combination of the two. We want to share that with you guys because if you're an entrepreneur or somebody that's a content creator looking for, uh, you know, that one piece of tech or that one piece of actionable advice that can help you go to the next level, we want to be there to help you along the way. When it comes to toys, we like to put that in quotes, so to speak, because toys don't have to just be action figures. It could be anything. It could be big boys toys, you know, cars, bikes, guns, knives, um, you know, cooking accessories, guitars, drums. Toys is a universal definition here to encompass many of the other things that we collect or obsess over and not only that but those toys sometimes end up working to make us happier or help us create our content and we want to showcase that with you guys so hopefully that gives you a little bit of an understanding of what we're all about before you continue on to this week's guest but before we do that um, some housekeeping first and foremost i want to thank those of you that have been checking out the episodes of toys and tech of the trade thus far we're kind of starting to find our footing as a veteran podcaster you know my my litmus test is 10 episodes i know that once we hit the 10 episode mark things get a little easier as we try to find our voice so to speak and just get a good groove with regards to the interviews our guests etc and um, i want to thank all of you that have you know sent me some words of encouragement given some suggestions some tips um we're definitely trying to apply as much of it as possible so that we can take this podcast to the next level alongside many of the other shows on the RageWorks network. Um, for those of you that had heard some previous episodes and have been following us on social media, you know that we were at Toy Fair uh, last week, and we're going to be doing a special Toy Fair episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, obviously, um, where I sound off on you know some of my favorite toys, the event in general, and also, obviously, some of the gear that I use to cover that event. So if you are someone that's looking into uh, running a website and covering events, uh, definitely give that episode a listen when it comes out so you can get a an understanding of my process and how I approach events such as Toy Fair or New York Comic Con or events of that magnitude. Hopefully, uh, the the gear and the tactics that I use can be applicable to your business. All right, that's going to wrap up housekeeping. Let's get into this week's guest. Uh, my guest for this episode is part of the RageWorks Creator Series. He is one of our podcast hosts. 
and he is a very, very talented individual, and that is the one and only Josie's Boy. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Josie's Boy thanks to Jay Santi, who many of you know from Turnbuckle Tabloid and also from the regular season sportscast. He also works the boards for Josie's Boy's podcast, Call Me When It's Over. And, um, you know, Jay introduced us, and I, I, I saw just untapped potential uh, from Josie's Boy. I felt that this was a guy who was in addition to being an accomplished artist a guy that could sit there and chop it up about sports about politics about religion and i said there's this guy has the it factor it he has something it's the same thing i saw in jay santi when jay joined the rageworks family oh so many years ago and um you know it's something that i'm i'm proud of you know to see josie's boy take call me when it's over you know, well past its hundredth episode on its way to, you know, the 150 mark and, you know, securing over a thousand downloads, distribution on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, et cetera. I am, I'm pleased to call him a friend, a brother in arms, and I am hoping that you guys will enjoy learning more about the toys and tech of his trade. So without any further ado, let's kick it over to my interview with Josie's boy. Enjoy. The Rageworks Creator Series continues with my guest for this episode, the one and only Josie's Boy. What's going on, my friend? I'm good, brother. Thank you for having me. I am, uh, you know, I've, I've been excited to have you be part of this Creator Series that we showcase the the best and brightest of Rageworks. Um, just because you're you're a multifaceted and super talented individual. Um, besides, obviously, picking up the microphone for Call Me When It's Over, uh, Josie's Boy is also an accomplished artist uh, with pieces throughout New York city. Uh, he's done different art installations. He's been all over the city, just showcasing his amazing artwork. And not only that, but he's also uh, a great entrepreneur getting himself out there as a brand. And I wanted to not only share his story, but also the toys and tech of his trade. So let's, let's get into the origin story of things. Um, you know, you, you are, you've been an artist pretty much. I feel your entire life. For the most um, part. You know, what, what got you into artwork? What, what started that path for you? Um, literally from birth. Like it, it's, it's so funny because when people ask you like, Oh, how, how, how long have you been making stuff? And it's like, it's hard to say because I just remember holding it, back, you know, but, um, I remember since I was nine, I knew what I wanted. You know, I told my grandmother when I was nine, I was going to sell my drawings for the rest of my life. Nice. At nine years old, I told her that. And, um, that's, that's dope. And, uh, I never, never looked back. You know, of course you have the quintessential, Oh, I'm going to go to the NBA, whatever. It's like, I play ball, but I'm like, nah, I know what I'm going to. So, uh, just pretty much my grandmother pushed me to, to just, to kind of hone my craft. And she, she knew I was good. So she was just keep giving me coloring books and pencils and pens and things of that nature. Um, then when I got, when I got, when I was, I want to say around like 10 in sixth grade, that's when I found out I was kind of better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we did a project and I realized like, you know what? I'm pretty good. Like, was it drawing uh, a still life? No, not yet. No, <laughs> I, was, I, I was doing that. I remember they made us do that in school. I'm like, nope, I'm not an artist. <laughs> yeah. there was. So we had a project, um, and they said, bring something that you love. So at that time, I was already collecting sketchbooks. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring my drawings. This is my first time showing anybody in public. So I, I bring my drawings. And we had, it had to be, a, I don't know why it was a group dynamic. It had to be a group project. So I brought this kid named Larry on, on stage with me. I said, he'll hold the sketchbook. I'll explain what I do. So when I opened my sketchbook, everybody's like, ooh. Ah, the whole time, like, oh, oh, I didn't know you were this good. Like, and I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. So from then, uh, just kind of just going for that. And, uh, 
when I was 16, um, I had moved to Brooklyn for good. Cause all right, I was, I was born in, um, in Harlem. I was born in Spanish Harlem, uh, Metropolitan Hospital on 102nd. I was born in Harlem. I was raised in, in uh, East Harlem until maybe I was like 14. 15. Uh, then I moved to like, my mom was in Brooklyn. So I was in and out since I was seven. When I, mo- I moved to Brooklyn full time when I was like 15, 16. So I had a teacher named Ms. Roberts. I took the visual arts class because I knew it was going to be easy. I said it's easy 90. Like yep. whatever. I don't care. I just <laughs> want a good grade. So it was like 35 kids in the class. Uh, she gave us all the little maid sketchbooks, paper, you know, all that good stuff. Um, the next day there were like 25 people in the class. Like it started shortening it down. Wow. And I'm like, okay. All right. So she was handing everybody back their sketchbooks. I saw writing in mine. I'm like, I've been kicked out of classes for being too good. This is like, I'm not even joking. I've been kicked out of classes because I finished projects too. So I was like, damn, I'm um, in the book, it says you actually know how to draw. Don't you? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I was hiding. I was like, yeah. So after that, she asked me to bring my sketchbooks in. She said, do you have a sketchbook? I said, yeah, I brought like six in. And she's like, listen, that Friday, it was like a Tuesday, that Friday I came in and she's like, you're not doing any of this. I'm like, what do you mean? She sat me in the corner literally for the next three years. She sat me in the corner, gave me canvases, gave me paintbrushes, said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just do it. Go. And that's when I got introduced to painting. And she took me to like the Brooklyn Museum. I saw a Basquiat exhibit. Then I saw the Jeffrey Wright movie, uh, the Basquiat movie. And I've been painting ever since, literally. So your original medium was, uh, was pencil? Yeah, pencil, Sharpie, you know, typical stuff, crayons. I, I wasn't, I was never a big crayon guy, but I, I love pens. Like when I was, I want to say maybe like 10, 11, I realized how good I was. I stopped using pencil. Okay. I just kept going with pens and like, I just love using pens. And what were you drawing back then? Just characters? I did characters. It was, it was actually a nice mix. So I did characters like, you know, the typical Disney, uh, uh, Looney Tunes, stuff like that. But I was also big on, uh, portraits. So I would take my grandmother's magazines, draw the, the women in there. I had a hot 97 poster once. This was like 90, maybe like 96. And I drew everybody from January to December. Wow. So it's like, I, I had an interest in just like actually just being good. So yeah, it's like, uh, it's a lot of stuff. Then I grew up out of graffiti hall of fame too. So I was into lettering. So. It's like, yeah, it just, it's, it kind of fluctuated. And the, the diversity of your artwork, you know, now that you had this teacher, you know, put you on this path. Now, now you're into the painting. Where did you, you know, what did you start doing with paint initially? Like what was some of the first early stuff that got, that, you know, that kind of started setting the stage for you? Yeah. Um, the first painting I ever made, cause I had no clue what to do. The first painting I ever made was, uh, it was a heart with wings on it. Really? Literally like a heart with wings. It was terrible. It was terrible. But, you know, when you first start something, it's not that great. So, Absolutely. 10,000 hour um, rule. Yeah, exactly. Big time. Uh, so I, I did that. And then I started like it, 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 something. It just reminded me like hieroglyphics. So I would like randomly make people just try to get good with the paint just to try to figure it out. Because I had a hard time struggling with the, the sketch to canvas paint. After that, I was like going straight paintbrush to canvas uh, without drawing it out first. Gotcha. Nobody told me right, you can do that. So I'm like. <laughs> paintbrush to the canvas just making people and uh so i would draw like people and or at least attempt to draw people little scenes and stuff like that and um yeah there was a lot of a lot of theme things like religion played a big part in some of my pictures i don't know why it did and um yeah it was just like random shit now the the thing about it is you know you 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 got into the into painting where you were doing that you know one of the one of the easiest things to ask is you know what what artists influence you but i don't want to go that route yet right where where did you feel your style was at the time or what were you trying to go for because and i say this because some people especially when they were drawing like you were saying pen pencil 
You know, mm-hmm. they either draw in cartoon style, anime style, yeah. um, you know, graffiti, the, the graph style. And then it kind of just defines them from there. But seeing your artwork, it's, it's so unique because of the way you present it. Thank you. You know, you don't, you don't go and just go down the traditional path, even with a lot of your cartoon pieces that I've seen. Right. You add that flair, like a different usage of color. Maybe you want the background portrayed differently. Where did you, how did you feel that your style was being refined as you got better as an artist? I knew like people, because I mean, you know, like I'm known for my line and um, people would always ask me like, yo, how, like, how did you find this? And I always tell people like, when you're lucky, you don't find the style. It finds you. Right. So I always knew that was kind of just a, a morphing of how, how I've always drawn. Like I always love thick line, um, like the, the Keith Haring stuff. And the, like, the, like you said, the graffiti stuff, it's like, I love the outlines and I love the, uh, at first it was just black and white. I hate a color when I'm like, I couldn't, but I feel like a lot of artists start off like, but, um, as I got older, um, and I, I started pushing, uh, I was like, I'm influenced by so many different things. It was hard for me to like pinpoint just one thing, but I knew like the lines were always a thing for me. Um, I want to say when I was maybe like 20, 23, 24 is when like I started kind of shaping everything. It started out like with the lines intersecting each other and the colors. And I'm like, all right, this could be something. Then I did a commission for one of my ex-girlfriends. Her mom asked me to do a commission and I did this bird. And at the bottom of the bird, instead of doing the tail feathers, uh, the way this should be, that's when I started like doing these lines. And I'm like, that's something. That's it. Like I just knew you is one of those moments. People always say these moments, moments of clarity don't exist. They do. I was like, that's it. I would always stay at the bottom. Like that's it. And from then on, like the lines were just everything for me. Uh, I got, I worked for Urban Outfitters for a little while. And in 2011, like they had fired me. I worked for them for like two years. I literally took that whole summer, maybe about three, four months. And I literally did nothing but make lines. I told myself, I want my lines to look as, as machine made as possible. I want it to look printed. I want it to be fake. I had a goal about it. So I want to say like my, 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 my style fully shaped or started to shape when I was like maybe. So from, I want to say maybe about 22, 23 around then. And then yeah. from, from there on in, you you made that your your trademark because every artist has you know a trademark mm-hmm. a different little thing that they kind of put in there and i've noticed even on different pieces you do you introduce these lines and intricate pastels i always i always like to compare a lot of your stuff to um, stained glass i i'm yeah you, if you look at it you, yeah i'm obsessed with stained glass yeah so, so and that's where i see it you know it's um it's like in doctor strange when they showed his uh where the inner sanctum mm-hmm. and it has like that stained glass window in the circle and there's yeah. all the colors. And I said, that's something he would paint. You know? I, and love, I, said I just, love stained glass. Yeah, yeah. And I said, it, and I said it just to myself. So, you know, looking at that and then it's interesting that it just blends into your other styles. Now with that said, how did you transition and start turning this now something that you're naturally good at into what you do now where you're doing commissions? Like when did you do like your first like big piece? Mm, good question. I know the, the first time I ever sold anything, I was 17. Right. Sold it for $75. The first, and I sold it to one of my teachers. But, um, after a while, after, like, after I got out of high school, like from 18 to maybe 20, 21, it was like a limbo. 18 to 20, 21, 22, something. It was like a limbo. Um, I drew a lot. Like, MySpace was still, I was posting stuff on MySpace. Uh, Facebook just started popping in t- 2007. So I started posting stuff on Facebook. And it was just like, oh, me sharing my pictures. And it's like, oh, he knows how to draw. He knows how to draw. Like, that's cool. Um, I always knew I wanted to be in the business. But the thing about being an artist is, like, they never tell you where to start. It's like there's really no. There's no blueprint. There's no blueprint. Um, 
I can't tell you when exactly I started selling stuff. I just remember, actually I'm lying. I, I started with sneakers. I started ah, customizing sneakers for people. Drug. That was where the money came from. <laughs> I, yeah, I do remember that. It was a summer, like I had no job. I had nothing. I had just stopped working at, no, it was before I started working at Best Buy. So I was, yeah, I was 18 and I started painting sneakers. That's where the money came from at first. Then after that, I want to say I didn't sell my first painting, like adult painting until I was 20, 21, 22. And then after that, it was literally just like being in the right place at the right time. Um, I hadn't done any shows yet. I, when I was working for Urban Outfitters, um, I was like the resident artist for lack of a better term. Yep. Um, so I did like the, the, I learned how to do the window display stuff. I worked with that. Then I painted the break room. Um, after that, I had a general manager. She, you know, Urban Outfitters does a lot of collaborations. Yep. Uh, she, she, they had something with Tom's, the shoe company. Oh, okay. And she's like, I'm going to put your name in it because I think you should be in there. At that point, I already had my, my style almost down pat. Fine, like, right. Yeah. So it was like my drawing skills was like, it's years, you know? So I worked with Tom's and then from then on, I ended up personally working with them for five, five times by myself. We did like customizing events. And, um, after that, people just started paying attention to me and like people would offer me money for my, my paintings. And I, I never, I was never like precious with my work. I'm precious with the process. Right. Like the finished product is like, it's cool. I love my work, but it's not for me anymore. I'm done with it. You're not married to the, to the, to the final product. You're only married to the work. Exactly. So I was doing like, I was customizing the kid robot stuff, the money dolls. I was customizing those. That's where money was coming from too. So I want to say everything started popping off when I was like maybe 22 around that age. Now the thing about it is, you know, you in doing this and going back to what you said about there not being a blueprint for this, did you find any, any old, any resident artist, any artist that, you know, you kind of would go to like a men, did, did you have a mentor at this stage? Did you have anybody that you could say, Hey, you know, somebody asked me for a commission, you know, how do I approach it? Or were you just going into it using your own, using your own experiences? And I say this because, you know, with art that, you know, mentorship is important. Know, it's, it, it, and that's something that some people just, they never get, you know, yeah. how many talented people I see that, could be drawing for Marvel or could be drawing for DC yeah. and they're just, you know, selling stuff on Instagram and doing cons and they never get that break because they never have that person to plug them in. Right. I, I've never, I, I, I grown at that age. I didn't have a mentor. Like literally everything was trial and error. YouTube, Google. I'm talking like document. I'm a big documentary guy. I've watched almost every art documentary. You can. Wow. Literally, literally. It's like, I have people I like and I'm like, man, how'd he do that? How'd she do that? Where'd this go? And I'm like, I would, I would pick because you know, documentaries, they live, they leave little things out. So I'm like, all right, it seems like they did this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Like I didn't have anybody to kind of, uh, teach me anything. I didn't have anybody walk, walk me by. Nobody held my hand. Nobody's like, wow. there were certain people in between I would meet, but nothing steady. Wow. So everything was literally trial and error. Everything's experience for the most part. That's, that's, that's amazing only because that's something, especially, and I want to bring this up as, as a New Yorker, as an inner city kid that your skill set is self-taught you know there was Mm -hmm. no you know like i remember when i was like my brother Mm -hmm. my brother can draw okay and he's really good and i remember i tried to i got how to draw comics the marvel way (laughs) and i'm like oh i'm gonna try and do this and i'm like nope nope like you just know and you know i'd watch my brother draw and i try to pick up stuff you Mm -hmm. know draw draw the uh the, the circles with the lines Mm -hmm. right get the face right and i tried i'm like nope 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 nope. not for me and the thing about it is that as, as inner city kids, that's very lacking. Mm-hmm. I feel that, especially as an artist, because 
I'm it's something you share often is when people are like you still doing your little art thing. Oh and, my god! And and I laugh at that when you share it because the thing is that because people don't have those mentors and those relationships, right? It's like oh you're doing your little art thing, you're doing your little podcast thing, yeah. You're doing your, because yeah. to them they don't understand that they eat, sleep, and breathe it. And and now at this stage of the game for you, as as you're doing more of this stuff, mm-hmm. are you trying to to pass that on? to other younger artists like do people come to you now like younger people and they're like hey i do this what do you think of right this? are you now the in a way the mentor now a little bit yeah it used to bug me out i remember when i was like 25 26 and i remember this is like when when i because instagram came up i had an android when instagram came out so when when instagram first moved to android i was like all right finally when i after a while when i started getting like dms like when dms first existed on instagram right. And oh, I would get messages on Facebook and people would ask me questions in my mind. I'm like, cause you know, as humans, we never feel like we're doing enough. Yep. We always feel like we can do more. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm just starting in my mind, but I've done so much that other people would see. And they're like, how do you get into that? And I'm like, listen, I'm trying to find out just like you. Like, But as I get, as after a while, I understand that. Like, all right. I'm in a place that some people I, I'm, I'm in the middle of something that some people wish they could just start. So I'm like, I have to be here to tell somebody something. So I do find myself giving advice to people, um, working with children as much as I can, at least to let people, you know, just even if it's just like giving some kind of encouragement, people would, uh, like a lot of people get mad when they get messages and it's not about business. Like it's not about making money. I it's right. just somebody saying, Hey, I like your stuff. Like, how'd you do this? I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't withhold information. Like, of course, a magician never gives all the secrets. That's right. But I'm not, I'm not going to withhold certain things from me. Like you ask me, Hey, what kind of brush you use? I'll tell you, I can give you the tools. Doesn't mean you can do the work. Exactly. So I'll tell you, Hey, yeah, I use the number six, uh, Sable script brush. Try it. Or I use, um, heavy body Liquitex, whatever. Try it. Like, I don't have no problem telling you that. So when somebody hits me up, like, so how'd you do this? How'd you, do I'm not going to give you a step by step, but I'll definitely tell you, right. try this, try this, try this. Cause what I like may not be for you. So but like, you got to discover it. You have to. And P, that, that's what people lose that, that, that fact of you have to work. You have to try it. You have to try it. I can't just tell you what to do. You have to actually dive in. Like you can't, you can't know how to swim if you don't get in water. So it's like, you have to do your thing. But, um, yeah, I try to find, I, try, I find myself trying to give as much advice as I possibly can. Now, you know, you, you're also, and this is something unique. You're, you're taking your artwork now. You're doing it into live performance art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to get into the science of that because, that's not something you do every day. Like, yo, I was doing body painting, all this stuff. Like, how did that come about? When did you discover that, hey, this is this is a great way to showcase my my technique? Right. Um, so I started live the first live painting I did was in two thousand nine. Shout out to shout out to my guy, um Jamal Science. Uh he's a rapper. He's super dope. Super dope. Um I did something with him at Brooklyn College. And at that time I had my style down. I'm like, yeah. I could do this, whatever. <laughs> Man, the first three times I did live painting, I didn't hockey come and ready to go. You so like- <laughs> fucking cocky. I was like, I was, I could do this, like whatever. I didn't even come close to finish the painting. Wow. I'm saying the first time I ever did, I brought two canvases with me. I was like, yeah, because I'm gonna finish fast. I didn't, I didn't finish one for the first three times I did it. After a while, I was like, all right, there's something to this. I have to figure this out. Like, how do I do this? Um, so then I just went on a streak of live painting, and I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, I like this. I think I was a performer in my past life. Cause I would have like dreams of like flashing Seriously. lights and stuff like that. Um, so I did live painting for a long time and it was fun to me. It was a nice little way to make money is some extra than just doing galleries. Then after a while, like I got it down to a science when people book me for live paintings, like the maximum is four hours. 
in that four hours, I can talk to people, have a drink, I can eat, I can stop, I can, and finish everything before the time is done. That's what's up. Because I, I bet you that's what was killing you initially, right? Because yes. Stop. Hey, blah, 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 and you're like, oh man. Please give me your yeah, exactly. So I have it down to a science. After a while, I'm like, then I'm like, all right, you know what? I want to do something different. I'm going to do body painting, live body painting, which at the time nobody was doing. Right. This is 2014, 15. Nobody's doing this. Right. So I'm like, all right, at least nobody in New York that I've ever. I'm like, I'm going to do this. After a while, it starts becoming a thing. I'm not saying I started it. You got that ball rolling. I would like to think so. <laughs> so I started doing that. And at this time, I'm like, I, I, I do body painting. Somebody was like, I'm going to do body painting too. I was like, you know what? I'm going to paint two women this time then. So I would like up it every single time. Then after a while, after like kind of just getting so good at it, not to sound like stuck up about it, after getting so good at it, I'm like, this is boring. I need to do bigger. Right. It needs to be bigger. I need to be better. Um, Five years ago, I had the idea of like doing art concerts, like art performance. And um, like my goal is to sell a Madison Square Garden. That's my next goal. Hell of a goal. And um, I feel I think I could do it. In like the next three years, I think I could do it. I think I can. Uh, I knew for that to translate, I have to make something bigger than just standing there painting. Right. I've always seen theatrics. I've always seen like lighting. Lighting is so big to me. And like the production aspect, a big deal to me. So I knew I wanted to get into that. So last year I did the three, uh, three performances, my three, three, uh, the little trilogy. Yep. And, um, the first one, I'm a, all I had, like, all I had was the idea. I got the venues. I'm like, I got everything down. I had no fucking clue what I was going to, I had no clue. And it was intense that first show. Cause I remember like, like, like it was, it was very intimate. Mm-hmm. You had all these people around you and I'm like, wow, how's he focusing when you have right. all these women there? You know, it, there's a lot of energy it was a lot. in that room, you know, and you're focused and you're like, you know, and the performer who was there that you were painting. I'm yeah. Like, shout out to Dova. Yeah. She's dope. I'm like, like, yo, how's he keeping it together? Like just seeing those video clips because like sensory overload, man. It was so much. It was, <laughs> yo, I tell you, I like, and I, at that time I was telling myself going into 2018, I said, yo, 2018 was a flyer die year. For me. Okay. I said, something has to come out of this and I have to force myself to, to make it happen. And if it doesn't, I told myself, I prayed about it and everything. I said, if something doesn't come out of this, I'm going to stop. I'm going to fall back. I'm going wow. To not, I mean, I'll keep it for myself. Right. But I'm but not, not sharing it with anymore. the world. No. And that's when I said, if I do not get this idea out, because I sat on that idea for five years. It'll rot. Gonna, it'll rot. And I'm like, 2018 was a really great year. Um, So the first, I knew I wanted to do three. The I kept all my original dates. The first one, I got the venue, got the model. I got everybody to help me. And she's like, oh, so what do you want me to do? And I say, yo, just follow me. Everything's in my head. Just follow me. The DJ that did my music, I knew him. We went to the gym together. Literally that day, that uh, the event started at eight. He showed up at six. That's when we made the playlist. I made the playlist at five o'clock in the morning. Wow. I gave him the rundown. He made magic. Everything came together. The second one, I was a little more planned out. It was like, it was the evolution happened so fast in like five, six. And then by the third one, I had the, I had the last show planned out and mapped out before the first one even happened. Wow. I knew how I wanted it to end. And the last one was perfect. So to have the lights and, and then like the first one was like, like you said, it was so intimate. I did that purposely, man. If you don't even understand how nervous I was, <laughs> like sure. it doesn't look it. I'm like, Oh yeah, you were confident as hell. But- shitting bricks. I was shitting bricks, man. And, um, but I knew like this was like that. And I shout out to my cousin, Patrick Alston. I actually just went to one of his shows um the other day. He's a painter too. And he comes to me, he says, yo, I see what you're doing. He said, but there's something missing. I said, me time. You'll see it. By the third one, he came to the third. He didn't come to the second one. He came to the third one. After the third one was over, he's like, you got it. You did it. There you, go. you got it. And I'm like, I know. Thank what did you, you feel? What was it that was missing? Uh, just like the story was there. I wasn't allowing myself 
I was so focused on the painting aspect. That your I wasn't, energy wasn't flowing in. Yes. Uh-huh. I wasn't allowing myself to, to like open the story up even more. Right. Cause like, you're part of the story. Exactly. You weren't making yourself part of the story. Exactly. You were making the person the story. Exactly. So I said, all right, this last one has to do with me being painted. It has to do with painting, but like it can't. So I purposely said, I'm not going to paint the woman. She's going to be painted already. And it just went with the story perfectly anyway. Like the, the whole trilogy was like the fast, the, the past five years of my love life, which was like a, <laughs> that's a whole nother story but um yeah i told myself like if i'm going to do live anything it needs to be bigger it needs to be better and the only way to do that is to like make it a production that's i i, I just, and and like i like being in in front of the camera i like the lights like i host events i do all that stuff so it's like you had that creative energy mm-hmm. now you know as 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 the audience came in for these shows did they they obviously came in to support you mm-hmm. and support the movement but when they you did that first show, you know, how was the response after? Like, how were people reacting to you after that? Because, again, you know, this isn't something that people just see every day. Like, mm-hmm. This is a unique experience. How did you know, what were those first, like, 24 hours like after you did that first show? It was a mix of emotions. Like, for one, when it came, like, for promotion, I was so secretive. I didn't tell anybody anything. The flyers were out. That was it. I, I, I didn't like my closest friends. I didn't say shit. It was like a secret show at that point. I was like, yo, just know that's going to be an event. It's going to be the event. So after it happened, uh, some things happened with the venue and like money and I was overcharged for stuff like that had me angry. But after all that was like settled, I remember going home. I woke up and, uh, my girlfriend was with me. I woke up and she said, how do you feel? I legitimately cried because I felt wow. I just cried. I felt I cried like a fucking. I was like, I did it. I did it. That's like, amazing. I did it. And um, the the reactions that people were getting, like, it wasn't. It was more love than anything. But I was happy because like two people came up to me and said, "I loved what I watched, but I don't know what I watched." Like, good, good, <laughs> good. And uh, yeah, it was just it was cool, man. It was cool. Like the the the, the love was real. People were excited, genuinely excited about it. They're like, I need to know what's next. Some only some people came for all three parts. I'm like, listen, it's a story because I do everything in threes. That's just like my number. Some people like were telling me, man, yo, that's the sexiest place I've ever heard in my life because it was like all 90 stuff. It was all right. classics. Uh, one woman was like, uh, my, my shout out to my boy Nico. Him and his uh, him and his uh, girlfriend came and she was like, this threw this threw my whole night off. Not in a bad way though. He walked up to me and I know Nico for some years. He walked up to me, gave him a hug. He said, listen, this is Lauren. She says. I have one of your paintings for six years. It's been hanging in my room. She said, I've been dying to meet you for six years. Wow. She's like, this is my first time coming to one of your events. And I'm so glad this was. Wow. I'm like, how was that for you? A lot. I was like, man, it's cause it's a lot to take in. Like I, I can take compliments and things that are nature, but when it comes to praise, like I can't take praise, Right. but that I can tell came from her. I'm like, I'm doing something right. And she had one of your original pieces. So mm-hmm. like that, you know, it's, it's like legit. I, I'm sure you felt, it was cut. The, it came full circle. Like mm-hmm. you were like, wow, from where I started, where she bought a piece six years ago, and now she's coming to my show. Yeah, that's that's it was, amazing. Man. It was yeah, it was it was an experience, man. I'm just I was just happy to be able to share it with. You. Now, obviously, as an artist, I want to switch gears. You mm-hmm. you know, you jumped into Call Me When It's Over, mm-hmm. which um you know is well past the hundred episode mark. Thankful, uh, yeah, very running, thankful. Running towards two hundred. Um, how did you know that that was the next step in your evolution as a, as an artist? Like, where did the where did that come from? Because it's not like you woke up and said, "Yo, I want to do a podcast." Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, for, first of all, thankful to you for for giving me the platform. I appreciate that. Um, 
So I started a, like I said, I hosted events. I used to run an open mic in Brooklyn. Okay. So I started out as a live painter, but then my business savvy said, Hey, you know what? We can make money and like pay other people to do this. And then we can make more money for that. Right. And I was like, I'll handle that. Let me do that. But ended up not happening. Like, that's a long story, but I would host events sometimes because I was like, I painted, there was an intermission that I host the rest of the show. So naturally like people are drawn to me already. And I'm, I'm, I enjoy telling stories. Like I'm a good storyteller from what I heard. So I think that's one of my strong points, but um, I started a, I got approached to do a YouTube series, probably maybe like a year before the inception of Cold Moon is over. I did a YouTube series called creative flow. Shout out to my guy, Jason Ellis. Um, He's like, yo, why don't you host a show? I'm like, about what? He's like, it can be like your, your travels as an artist. You can interview your friends and stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. So I was like, good idea. Um, did it caught the bug. We did one episode caught the fuck. I'm like, all right, this is cool. Then I'm sitting around with shout to shout out to Jay Santee, uh Turnbuckle Tabloid, uh regular season sports cast. I'm sitting with him in his house one day and um I'm always telling him stories. We're always talking shit. And he goes, because at this time he was already maybe like about fifteen episodes deep with the regular season. Yep. And he's like, You wanna do a podcast? I'm like, Okay, whatever. Like it's not it wasn't like a conscious like right. I need to do this. He's like, You wanna do a podcast? I'm like, Okay, whatever. I went home and thought about it. I'm like, Yeah, I should do this. Like this makes sense because I watched the whole um what all the stuff that Apple does, like Pharrell's show and like all that other shit. Like this is and and of course, like this is when podcasting is like it's pretty much just combat jack at that point. Yep. When it comes to like culture stuff. Um so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do this. And I knew where I wanted to take it. I knew where I wanted to take it. And now like 142 episodes in, almost three years in, it's like it's making sense. It's definitely making sense. I had fun doing it. I I, I truly believe that there are things in the culture like we don't talk about or, and not even just like, I get it. We can talk about like mental issues and all that stuff all day. That's like typical stuff. But I want to like my, my whole goal is to bring entrepreneurs, artists, creatives into the space and show them that, you know, we have different voices. Like we actually speak. It's because the, 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 the typical um thought of an artist is that, Oh, they're reclusive. They're stuck right. up, blah, blah, whatever. When you come, you realize like, Oh, they're just like me. They're just like me. So I don't, yeah, cool. We can talk about who inspires you, but I want to know like, what's your favorite scene in the five heartbeats? Like what, you know, we're normal people. So it's like just to have that conversation and also get some gems, let people know like, Hey, you're not in this by yourself. I'm an entrepreneur too. I'm learning too. Like you can be, you can do this, you can do that type type stuff. So it's, it, it it's, I, I just knew this was something I had to do and it may not even just be for me. I may be eventually building a platform we were talking about earlier. I may be building a platform for somebody else. I, this may just be the vessel. Right. Who knows? So, yeah, I just, I just. This is a new canvas for you. That's Podcasting it. Podcasting is a new canvas for you. That's it. That's so, it. you know, with that, and, and, you know, this is one of those things where you, as an artist now, you're growing, you're doing this. When, when you started doing Call Me When It's Over, mm -hmm. how did you feel from an artistic standpoint now? How, that that you wanted to convey a message because now here you are you're turning on a microphone you're talking to the masses so to speak your mm -hmm. voice is going out there what you know what was the thought process when you were like all right i want to convey like you were saying hey you want to make it seem like artists aren't you know we're all we are all individuals and we all have different things going on and you know we're just like you but besides that what did you feel was your your scope for the you know what was your your message mm -hmm. going out there as an artist with this new medium um, at first I, f I felt like I was just, I wanted to be respected in a different way. Okay. Because a lot of people that meet me and when we speak, they're like, I, I wouldn't have thought that you were artists. Like artists don't talk like you. And I'm like, 
okay, thank you. I'm just being myself, you know? And uh, going into the podcast, the things I would talk about are stuff that was relatable to me, things that I like, things that I thought were funny. But uh, like for the, for, for in the beginning, from the beginning, I've, I felt like I, I had the idea, but I, I approached it incorrectly. Like okay. I approached it on the funny side. Oh, okay. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this is cool. But even though in my mind, I just knew like, all right, it's going to run its course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you, you need to stick to the plan, like stop getting away from the plan or whatever. So after a while, I would find myself inviting other artists and other creatives and, and ch- trying to, you know, build that hub. And, um, talking about things like I remember talking about, was it, um, Ken, was it Kendall Jenner that did the Pepsi commercial? Yes. Yeah. I remember talking about that. I talked about a lot of things. So it's like stuff that is in the culture, not so, not, not so much current events all the time, but things like I can go from, I don't talk politics either. That's separate conversations, like private conversations. I don't even like doing that, but we can go from a conversation about, uh, you know, how somebody got into doing murals to, uh, your opinion on the whole, uh, the LBGT community. It's like, it's a culture thing. So it's like it, but it all ties into one. Um, so yeah, I think I, I felt like in the beginning, I was like, maybe for the, the first, you were t- finding yourself. Cause, yeah. Cause I noticed the shift from, you know, the sunglasses episode. Right. And all that, you know, that, which the, is still, still a thing for me. I, yeah, it's still funny to me. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I saw that and I said, you know, I noticed with every, with every 10 to 15 episodes, you turn a little bit more of a corner as a creative. And I said, all right, he's, he's hitting his stride with this because he probably feels that this isn't where he wants it to be mm-hmm. because every artist is a perfectionist. Oh you know? yeah. You know? Always. And they're always. like, Oh no, you know, I'm humble. No, you're I'm a, not. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're a perfectionist like everybody else. And I'm sure you go back and you, and you go through your catalog of mm-hmm. work and you're like, you know, whether it's art or even the podcast, I'm sure you look at your art from five years ago and I'm like, oh, it's so much better now. I, I cringe or my when I color, see the Or my color, my color usage is so much more pronounced. Or, mm-hmm. And with the podcast, you're probably like, damn, I shouldn't have, have really gone that route with this. So with, 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 you know, that evolution now and, and you evolving as an artist, where do you want to take both your artwork and your podcast and where do you want them to intersect? Um, so right now I have, a company called um, Painted in Blue. That's my my company. That the the goal for that company is literally to be uh kind of along the lines of what like Kanye does with Donda. Okay. It's like you know, eventually you know I have a team and like we'll do graphic design for this. Like you'll still have my my work uh represented by that. Uh, but then also having having the 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 media part of it. Whereas you know we have the podcasting, we have the videos. It's like. I need to be like the same way I didn't have uh somebody like step by step teaching me things. I feel like my like my show and the 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 area that we touch, those people listen to me. So, no, I'm not going to be politically correct all the time, but I'm going to tell you You're the, a tastemaker in that yeah, field. Exactly. Yeah, so it's like I understand those people listen to me. So, a lot of people don't have the 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 uh the thought to go, "Hey, I'm going to go to Google and just Google this and figure it out." Whereas there's something that's in your face now telling you, "Hey, like the way Gary Vaynerchuk does. It's like he's so brash and bold, and it's like this is that you don't have to search for him because you just know he his stuff is around, right? And um, for 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 my show, I want to be. I don't care about being a public speaker, but I want to be that for somebody like the artist who doesn't know what they want to do or doesn't know where they want to go. It's like listen to me. Your purpose consistently changes. You change, your purpose will change. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to to, to just go go with the flow. Sometimes know what you want to do, but don't be afraid to change or expand. So just kind of being that that all wrapped into one for 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 the people who are kind of chasing a dream myself. Well, I think that's that's something 
you know, and, and I want to go into that. You know, you mentioned Gary Vee. You mentioned Kanye West. Um, you and I have talked about, like, Virgil Abloh, mm-hmm. all these guys. You know, there's it, it's interesting because the term art is thrown around to just define people that draw, people that paint. Yeah. But there's different artists. You know, there's music artists. Mm-hmm. There's there's different. And I noticed, you know, you reference key ones like, like Kanye or Gary Vee. Um, where do you feel that their artwork has taken your artwork meaning like a guy like kanye west a guy who's so multifaceted between music and art and clothing and everything else he's inspiring a lot of people Mm -hmm. but in the midst of that he's also creating a sense of controversy do you feel that as an artist as these guys that you follow the controversy and the art have to go hand in hand because it defines them or do you feel that it's something where people create the controversy because it's the cool thing to do in, right. in our current in our current climate. Um, I I I it it it, it people do complain about it, but there is a pri- like celebrities do have a privilege of being able to separate the work from the person, right. even though the average person doesn't do that. Um, Kanye is literally like one of my outside of Prince, he's one of my biggest influences in really? creative life. Yeah, like okay, because I mean I've followed him from uh, I would like to say beginning because like for his first two mixtapes after the car crash and all that stuff like i've been following him since then and i'm i'm everything he does i just watch and i'm like you know what that's cool because he's always stood his own truth stood in his own words stood for himself and believed in him um but it's like jay-z said you know you can you can um you can what he said you can um uh, die and be a hero live long enough to be the villain right it's like kanye lived long enough in his celebrity to become the hated and now with the way social media is you become hated faster in your career absolutely than anything like you can be great today and next week it's like oh you're a piece of shit like i hate you um people remember the bad so much quicker than they could oh my god like free like free thinkers people who are forward thinkers or people who just think for themselves will always be hated faster than somebody who follows the status he is somebody who clearly thinks for him. like we love them when he said I'm, I'm not saying i agree with everything he says because people misconstrue that yep. you do not have to agree with everything he says 100 percent um but the same energy that he had when he says george bush doesn't care about black people is the same energy not saying it's right or wrong it's the same energy he has when he says i love trump it's the same energy it's just in a different context now but um controversy comes with people who think for themselves and he's a creative to like to the word to the word like this guy has taken he's he he forced nike to change a musician yep forced nike to change like those are things that people dream about People dreamed about, oh, I want an Air Force One and I want to color it. No, he said, I want my own silhouette. Did two of them. Changed every fucking. He changed the way people shop for shoes. He changed the way people dress. Like, same thing with Jay-Z. You look at Jay-Z. Jay-Z told people, we only wear Air Forces one time. I'm buying a new pair of shoes. We only wear these jeans. I'm only wearing these jeans. We drink Cristal. I want to buy champagne now. Like, he's a tastemaker, even even though, like, I kind of hate that word a little bit because Instagram overutilizes it. Absolutely. Um, but he's influencer. A, exactly. Right. Oh. Like, okay, whatever. Um, guys like Kanye, Jay-Z, Gary Vaynerchuk, these people stand in their truths. They know who they are. So it's like, they're all, o- they're always going to have a thought that nobody's going to agree with. And they're fine with that. They're fine with that. But at the end of the day, they make great shit. It's all about results. Do you make great shit? That's all that matters. Right. And, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I love, I love Kanye. I don't, I don't agree with everything he says, but I love him. I still believe in him. Well, I want to talk about, you know, it, it's funny. You had touched on mental health and, mm-hmm. and you know, Kanye's been a lot of stuff publicly mm-hmm. documented. As an artist, you know, where where does it take you emotionally sometimes? And I say this because, 
you know, the whole tortured artist aesthetic. Yeah. But I also want to talk about it from the standpoint of do your emotional states influence the type of art that you it's a 50 50 i can tell you that it's a 50 50 okay um my emotional like anything i've been through emotionally they affect my live performances okay like my work like my actual paintings and things that nature like when i paint paint things that are dark like because most of the women i paint don't smile there's a story behind that of course but like yeah most of them don't smile wow uh there but the way i paint them is everything has bright colors so you it's like Hiding the pain. Internally. Yeah. So it's like they're smiling internally. So I kind of use purposely use colors to portray a feeling in my paintings. And it's like that emotion plays a, plays a big part mostly with my life. That's it. Cause it's like, I feel like I get to utilize more. I get to utilize music. I get to utilize lights. I get to show a little more. Like my three performances, like I said, was about my, the past five years of my love life. And it was a lot. Um, at, w- at one point I was in an eight year relationship that ended. Then after that, uh, I, I kind of, I, I thought I fell in love again, but that was just like a straight up ego thing. I found, I found somebody who ended up, you know, we ended up, uh, in a situation, but we later became best friends. Like we're like best friends now. And, uh, now my love life is kind of open. I mean, I'm, I'm with someone now, but it's like, I allowed myself to, to be vulnerable enough to love again. Um, so going into those performances, like I had to dig deep and put myself in a place where I didn't want to be anymore. Shit that wow. I forgot about, especially wow. the last performance. I'm like, if I didn't have certain people around me, I literally would have gotten into a deep depression just to get, like, it's like method acting. Right. It's kind of like that. Like I had to, rem- cause I, I'm, I'm happy at, at this point in my life. So I had to remember how I felt when this person told me they didn't want to be with me anymore. When I found that this person was talking to another guy, when this person, like I had to live those that all over again. So it's like emotion plays a big part, mostly only for my, my performance. Wow. Yeah. And I say this only because you know, sometimes they'll, they'll, you know, somebody will do a piece and they'll be like, what are your thoughts on this piece? And the artist look, he was angry. <laughs> and that's why I asked, because I'm sure that, that, you know, you've had people dissect your oh, yeah. work and they're like, oh, were you happy when you painted this? And you're just like, yeah, yeah. Cause that's me. Like I always tell people my, my work is like 8% super. Right. I just like the way. Right. And, um, of course there's stories behind certain things, but I never tell anybody they're wrong when they dissect my painting. Okay. I never tell them they're wrong. I'm like, whatever you get is what you get. If you ask me what I meant, I'll tell you. But I never tell anybody. That. Um, before we shift gears, I want to mm-hmm. talk about your your artwork with the female form. Mm. And the reason I want to get into this is because you know we're in a we're in a climate where you know the the views on on genders, the way women are portrayed, everything mm-hmm. is under constant scrutiny. Big time. Both both be because of the way that the representation may misrepresent mm-hmm. a gender, but also in the way that um the voice that women thought they did not have is more prominent now than ever before. Oh yeah. And I wanted to ask you about that because you do a lot of, a lot of women in your pieces, both, you know, painted, but also in your performances. Mm -hmm. How has, how has that shift, that cultural shift impacted the way that you view the art form, especially the female form in within your artwork? Right. Um, women have always been my biggest inspiration. I was raised by women. Mm-hmm. I am, um, I have a, I have a brother, but I also have two sisters. I'm the second oldest of four. So I was raised around my grandmother, my sisters, my, my mother, her a lot friends. Of empathy in your life. A lot of it, you know? Um, but I'm, I also have that middle child, middle child syndrome. So I'm by <laughs> myself a lot. It's I'm by myself and I'm like really independent. It's like, uh, but I still want to be with you type stuff, you know? Um, when it came to like, so me painting women is natural. It's natural. It's been in my life. It's, I always, I always say women are the closest thing to God on earth only because like 
you know, they're a creator. They're creators. Exactly. They're creators. They're mm-hmm. the power of multiplication. Men can't do that. Right. We can't do that. So that's a God gives life. So do they <laughs> like it's what else do you say? You know, that's why it's called mother nature, not yep. anything nature. else. <laughs> um, it's when, so whenever I do anything, like even my lines represented by women, the curves and the, the, just, just the length of certain things, like the flow, it's all inspired by women. Everything I do is about women. And, um, a lot of it is subconscious, but when I like, when I started body painting, I purposely told myself, I need to paint on women of color. I need to paint on women of different sizes. I need to like, I need to see average people up there too, or whatever was, but right. the quote unquote average woman. Um, I purposely paint uh women that that look like me and women that that look like where i'm from you know so whether it, oh uh, so like latin women black women like it's like i purposely have these women depicted because in art if it is the a lot of times if it is depicted it's for commercial use only like people just want to be hot right whereas this is all i want to see it's like cool yeah that, yeah mona lisa cool got that marilyn Monroe, got that yeah but what about this one like, this is what I see every day. So it's like, I'm going to paint what I see every day. Like right. one of my favorite painters, Kerry James Marshall, he purposely paints black people in the color black. He doesn't use brown. Really? He purposely uses the color black. Cause he's like, I want my paintings to be as black as possible. And his pictures are beautiful. Wow. And it's like, I just, I just represent what I, what I love and what I see. I always paint what I love. So women for me, they are my life. They're the foundation to yeah. who you are. Big foundation. Yeah. You, you know, and it's interesting because being raised by women, it's funny because, you know, it talks about empathy and, you know, people always talk about that, that people that grow up in, you know, one person households being raised by either a mother or a father, mm-hmm. the way that their, their view of the world is different than people that are in the quote unquote nuclear family. Right. And, you know, b- before we move on, I think that that, especially what you just said with how it ties into your work, I think that you know, product of your environment is definitely applicable as an artist. Right? Mm-hmm. Big time. Um, you, you, well, they always say like you are what you eat and what you consume is like, not just uh, right. through your mouth. It's like your eyes and your ears, like everything you are. So I am definitely a product of my environment, but I am not, I am of my environment, but I'm not stuck in my environment, which and you're not a byproduct. There you go. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. Like yep. too many people get that confused. It's like, yeah, I'm from the hood. Like I have, I grew up in a project. I had these tendencies like you, you fuck with me for story. You know what I'm saying? Like I had these things, but I am not them. The people who decided to sit on the block all night. Like I, I, I listen, product of the eighties. My mother was a crackhead. Father was a crackhead. My grandmother had, my mother was a single child. She took all four of us in just so we didn't end up in foster care. Every drug dealer you could think of, you know, around that time still crack bottles on the floor. You know, everybody high out of their mind. Yep. I had the same lifestyle as a lot of people I know who ended up in jail, gang members, drug dealers. Like we all grew up the same exact way, but I just chose not to do that. A conscious choice. Exactly. And so. that's what I always tell people when they talk about, yo man, you know, the hood raised me. No, you chose to let the hood raise mm-hmm. you. Because at the end of the day, the same set, the same set of ideals that you're presented, I'm presented with, you know, it's like just the basics. Yeah. Like, Hey, be kind to your fellow man. You no. Know, say good morning. Say good morning. Hold the door. You That's know, a big one, yeah. you know, like things like that, like everybody kind of gets those. And if you don't and that environment doesn't teach you that in this day and age, there's somebody that you get that from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that's one thing, you know, you are what you consume also goes back to that. You know, you see a lot of these guys and and that's the, the next thing I wanted to say that people mm-hmm. absorb like these artists. And instead of just being inspired by them, they're too wrapped up in wanting to become them. Yes. Like. 
there's only one Kanye West. That's there's it. There's only one this person. Like, be the best you. That's it. That's it. I I I, I believe I believe in competition. I believe in healthy competition. Too. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, you ha- you have to. Like, if if I'm not around people who are better than me at something, then I'm wasting my. time. I don't want to be a big fish in a small. I do not want to be. I want to be. I want to become better. I want to be like. Uh, shout out to my, my 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 partner Alexis. She's also one of the hosts of Call Me When It's Over. Um, we were we had this conversation. We were up. Like, I was talking at like maybe two o'clock in the morning, and we were talking about that. Um, like being around people who are just who you by by being aware enough to put people in the room with you who are just as good or better than you at something. Because if if and if if I'm in a room full of people who all only know what I know, we're all just wasting time telling stories. It's a waste of fucking time. So and it becomes a game of one ups. That's it. Inadvertently sometimes. It's like, I have, I, I have a red hat. Well, I got a red hat and a red shirt. Yep. Like it's, it's, no, stop it. Um, like Kanye, I don't, and, and I truly believe, and this is what people get confused too. Don't idolize. It's a waste of time. You idolize people, you'll be disappointed. Look up to somebody as there's nothing wrong with, with, with admiring and looking up to people. I wanted to work. I, I, I mean, I still will work with Kanye. It doesn't matter, but like I was always influenced by his, his work ethic. And his thought process is like, man, to take the soul beats, but flip it like nobody else was doing. Or like he started as a painter. Then he wanted to be a designer. It's like he lives limitless. And people are so used to this whole narrow-minded, it has to be like this. They completely dismiss how great somebody is. And they don't want to be uh, uh, sitting still. Uh, my buddy, my buddy Jimbo Slice used mm-hmm. to say, I don't want to be put in a box. There is no box. There's no box. You know, and no and, I, and I think that that's you know, that's, that's a a great way to close that out that you as an artist, I feel you are constantly looking to transcend different barriers, culturally, racially, mentally, you, you're definitely, and I, and I see it just between your expressions, the way you do things, your artwork, you're, you're never, you're never stagnant. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never like, I'm just going to keep drawing the same portrait forever. It's like that shit gets you, boring. you are the shark. Like, you know, if you don't keep moving, you, you die creatively. That's a fact. And I think that, you know, that's something that's been huge for you. And I think that's something that's going to take you very far. Thank you. I appreciate that. man. And it's, it's, it's all about wanting to be better. That's it. You have to want to be better. And I, I get bored if I keep doing this. Like in 2017, I did my color challenge where I did a picture a day for Every month, every month I did. I yeah. Every month themes. I chose a color. Yeah. Every a different themes. And I just, for 365 days, I was making new pictures every single day. And even if I missed, missed a day, I'm doubling up, you know, um, in my mind, the way the color challenge started, I remember the first two pieces I made it was like an elephant and something else. But then these images, like I got into fashion illustration, like I became obsessed with the whole process of that. And, um, I started drawing these women and I'm like, all right, in my mind, there was an image in my head. And I would not stop drawing women until I saw the image in my head on that paper. And now that I saw that, when December came, I kid you not, as corny as, as cliche as it might sound, when December came, that image slightly came into my, onto paper. But I knew after that, now it has to be bigger than this. It has to be more than this. So I always want to be better than myself. I'm not really, comparison is like death. I don't compare myself to anybody. I, I just want to be one up myself every single day. You just have to be better. And like you said, that's a shark. Yeah. I got to taste his blood in the water. I got to get it. I gotta get it, yeah. All right, so so the next the next part of of our show is the hot mm-hmm. seat series of rapid fire questions. Okay. Easy, what comes to mind? Um, you know, I want to start with the artistic side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, now that you've drawn with so many mediums, mm-hmm. what's the medium that makes you feel the most at home? Um, that makes me most most comfortable. Yep, pen, yeah, just regular ink and paper. And um, 
is there a particular type of pen you like to use? Oh, uh, ballpoint pens. Yeah, like big ballpoint. Specifically, like if I could find the clear ones. Oh my god. I love those. The yeah. ones with the check cash. Yeah, I love hanging those. Hanging on the string that they yell at you that you take. <laughs> yeah, I love those. Yeah, ballpoint pen. Nice. Um, yeah. you know, on the switch to, to painting, um, you mentioned what are your favorite brushes? Um, like favorite brand, I'm gonna say there's a brand called Sable. Um, I specifically them for their script, like script brushes, like for my line work. So I'm gonna say Sable, yeah. And, um, you know, going, going in that same direction, uh, what's, uh, What's your preferred color of like blue? What's a blue? Blue all day. Blue. <laughs> Purple's creeping up there now too. Purple's creeping up there. Purple's creeping up there. But yeah. there's always that blue influence. Always blue. Right? Always blue. Yeah. Okay. Um. Do you like to create with music or without? And if so, I, I can't do anything playing? without music. All right. <laughs> I can't do anything without so music. what's playing in the background if you were painting? Um. Mostly R and B. R and B. It's like old school stuff. Anita Baker. You know. Luther. Yeah. Mostly R and B. Um. When you start your day. What's the first thing you open up on your phone? After what? After I pray, I do. I, I try to pray as, as soon as I get up. Okay. Um, the first thing I open up, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram. Nice. Instagram. Yeah, I can't even lie about that. I will see my emails, but I'll be lying. Nice. <laughs> um, obviously, as someone who who's an artist, you know your 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 phone is your lifeblood now. Like everybody, you can run your business yeah. off your phone. Outside of that, you know, what's your favorite piece of tech besides your? And it doesn't have to be a digital piece. Of yeah, it's, Cause um, I know. yeah, because that's so easy to uh -huh. say. Um, that's a that's a good one. I mean, if it's not my phone, uh, depending on what I'm doing, it it has to be my iPad because I do design stuff on my. I do that because I don't I don't really watch TV and stuff like that. I okay. mean, I watch things, but I just don't literally physically watch the TV. Do you do you draw on your iPad? I just recently got into doing digital stuff on my iPad. Yes, procreate. Yeah, yes. All right. Yes. See, you know, it's yeah. it's funny because I, I I know a. Uh, an artist that was put on my radar recently mm -hmm. and she's been, she draws and procreate. Heavy. It's fun. And I'm like, this is, this is the next step. And it was funny cause I went to a, a comic con recently and a guy was just walking around with an iPad and an Apple pencil and he was paying for commissions and he was just having them drawn in his iPad. And That's genius. Like I was like, I know I, I remember back in the day, guys used to take just a black book mm -hmm. and have every artist draw in it and fill the book. And that would be it. Mm -hmm. But this guy was walking around with an iPad and a pencil and he's like, Hey, can you just sketch me Wolverine or can you I sketch me? This. And, and it was dope just because, you know, the guys are there and there were some guys who never drew on yeah. an iPad. Nice. And it was just like watching that creative process. And I was like, that's that's insane. Like when the iPad first started getting like stylus support. Yeah. I saw that. It wasn't even like Apple Pencil. There's a stylus. Yes. Had them drawing with a stylus. And you see these guys, like their world. And, and when they were done, you'd be like, I'd come back or I'd be walking the show floor. I'd come back. And the guy would be like, damn, now I got to buy one of these. Mm -hmm. That was the, the change. I remember the first time I saw the the the, the, the that iPad XL. It was in, was it, uh, was it B&H over on 50-something uh, Street or whatever it is, a camera store. I tried and I said, I want one. Yep. I need this. Yeah. It's, it's changed the game as a, as a creator. And it's funny because you said, you know, you draw with pencil, but, but the digital artistry is becoming. It's like, hard it, to escape. It, it's, it's crazy. Like there's some guys, there's a guy I follow, a boss logic. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of like custom stuff. So whenever like somebody says, Hey, I heard that, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be Batman. Dude, within the, within hours. He's here's what it. I think. Here's what I think Jake Gyllenhaal would look like as Batman. And he has it out there. I think he just broke a million followers on Instagram. Damn. It's convenient. And it, and it's insane. And you know what's crazy? The work he did was shouted out by like Robert Downey Jr. Like he did, um, mm. you know, the poster for us for the new mm -hmm. movie that's coming out with them taking Which off I can't their wait face. to see that. Yeah. He did a whole series 
using the Avengers like that, what? where it's like Tony Stark and he's taking off the mask and it's the Iron Man mask. That is he did fire. one and he did all these and like the Russo brothers, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. They mm-hmm. all like, yo, look at this. And mm. you know, he just used the us poster as for his, the influence, as his yeah. views for that. It was, it was crazy. That's fire. That's and, crazy. Yeah. And the thing about it is, and that's why I was asking about digital artwork. Do you think that's the next frontier for you as an artist? Like to, to do that as a medium in addition to obviously your own stuff, but is yeah. that the next I'm intrigued by it. Always have been. I'm intri- intrigued by it. Um, I'm, I'm definitely moving into, to trying out a little more each day. It is convenient, but, um, I don't think anything's ever going to get me away from just, okay. but yeah, it will, but digital artwork will definitely be in the catalog. Soon. Nice. Yeah. Do you, do you sketch every day? Every day. Literally, literally like almost all day. Literally like almost all day. Uh, you, if, if I'm just like sitting there, I have to just, yeah. All. Do you sketch on public transportation? Like when you're when like, you're oh, when I'm riding? Yeah. 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 yeah I definitely do. I'm, uh, my rides have been pretty short lately, so not as much as I would like to, okay. but, um, yeah, whenever I have a long ride, I got my sketchbook with me now. Nice. Every day. Every day. Yeah. I know. I know. I know you're a gamer mm-hmm. and, um, you know, what was the, the first game you played? Ever? Yeah. What was your first video? The first video game I remember ever playing is Pole Position. Nice. Yeah. That's the first game I ever, ever remember playing. And I was excited because when you were driving, cause I was, I was like three when you were driving, then it would turn nighttime. Yep. Loved it. What yeah. was the, uh, what was the last game you played? Uh, I played Resident Evil 2 last night. Oh, nice. Yeah. I like it. I like the, I, I'm glad they changed the angle because that weird ass diagonal oh angle. Couldn't stand it. Yeah. That's, that's how I used to get body easily mm-hmm. in that game. Like, I can't turn. I also turn played it too slow. I played some, some snowboarding game this morning too. It was like, um, a ESPN snowboarding game. Nice. So it was fun. Yeah. Um, what is something you've purchased recently that's less than a hundred dollars that has made your life easier or more enjoyable? That's a really good question. What was the last thing that's, oh, I mean, well, hmm. Yes, I actually do know. Um, so there's another medium that I paint with. It's called, um, uh, gouache. It's not quite watercolor and it's, and it's not acrylic, but it has like this really cool matte consistency. So you can manipulate it with like watercolor because it lasts up to, it gives this really rich matte color. Um, but it stays open for seven years. So if you wet it after like a year, you can still mess with it. Wow. Yeah. It's super dope. Super dope. So I tried that. I bought that and I bought a pack. And I'm like, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you're already thinking of, I'm going to do a painting in 2019 and then I'm going to do it in this medium seven years from now. I'm going to come back and change it and just try. I have pictures that I have wrapped in plastic just waiting. (laughs) Just waiting. Like, like the, like the Banksy self-destruct. Just waiting. I'm like, oh, (laughs) just walk by with a water bottle squirt, squirt, squirt. Oh, I got what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So gouache. Yeah. That's definitely something I like. Nice. Um, and I pay like $15 for those too. Really? I got it, yeah, because Michael's had a 50-off coupon. Nice. So I paid like $15, yeah. Obviously, you know, we talk we talk about toys here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, what was your favorite toy growing up as a child? G.I. Joe's. Those and, um, like, WWE action figure. Well, WWF at the time. Action figure. WWF. The old rubber ones? Yeah, the rubber ones. Uh, Then when, was it, was it, um, was it, I forgot what company did it, but when they did the, the smaller one. Oh, the thumb wrestling. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 those. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I collected like all types of things. I had the, the original, like little, was it, like eight, nine, 10 inch Hulk Hogan or whatever that came yep. with the replaceable shirts and the belt. Oh man. I had that. Yeah. I was a big, and, and, and micro machines. Wow. I collected micro machines. That's I did. pretty cool. I did collect micro machines. Yeah. Micro yeah. machines were the truth. Yeah. Especially if you were a kid, you could sneak them into school. Even. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did collect those. But yeah. Those were like my first toys. Nice. Yeah. Do you collect anything currently? Yes. I collect Funko Pops. 
Nice. I definitely and you like and you also customize them in that. I definitely do with that with that artistic flair. Thank how you, do you, sir. How do you feel about you know the fact that you can buy them blank and do that you know do all these customs? What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like more companies should embrace things like that? Should like the company that does WWE action figures sell like a blank body for you to create your own? They should. They, they should. should. Yeah, they should. Um, there's something about like do it yourself stuff because like the first. All right, so I'll tell you in 2010, 11, when Funko did the the first um the first Mickey, I I bought that series and I bought the Simpsons series for five dollars. No, yeah, five dollars. Once we're gonna nobody cared about those toys. Hell no. I painted them. Painted them now it's like worth four thousand dollars. I painted them and I'm like, so I, I never not had that bug about it. So after a while, when I started seeing them doing blanks, I'm like back on this but i'm 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 like looking for specific shapes and stuff so i would like buy the actual toy acetone it down go for it um but yeah they should they should give like a blank john cena body or like a blank thanos body or something like that like you know create your own thing that'd be that'd be fire there's a there's a guy he's actually um uh he's probably going to be a guest in a few weeks Mm -hmm. he did um you know we were growing up they had the he-man action figures and you know Mm -hmm. that that particular body style so funko re um started releasing figures in that body style they call it didn't like they do a friday the 13th yeah they did the yeah. friday the 13th they yeah. just did they did thundercats in that style nice. so now you can put your thundercat figures with he-man that's fine which was weird and they're doing a new line which is a dc the primal age mm. where it's like making the dc characters like in that warrior like they have a superman like yeah and he's riding like a giant dog that's dope but the thing about it is this guy he's he customizes them mm-hmm. and he does like hey here's you know shazam and here's this and and it's crazy the amount of people that have turned the action figures now into an art form that's why you know you're yeah, doing man. it with the funkos is, is pretty awesome it's fun it's fun i mean i love kind of taking things and that exist and just juxta- juxtaposing them it's fun i have a good time with that the next question if you can have a meal with someone alive or dead mm-hmm. what would it be and who would it be so oof. and what would and, <laughs> and, so and the third part of that is what would you want to add um, that, damn, that's really tough. Um, I would probably, it would probably have to be Prince. Okay. Nice. It would have to be Prince and we would go get waffles and cheese. And I would ask him why Morris Day? Cause I love Morris Day. I want to know why him. Like I heard the stories, but I would love to hear it from him. Like why Morris Day? Why choose him to be a lead? Nice. That's yeah. All right. Yeah. And, um, last but not least, mm-hmm. um, a year from now, if if somebody came back to you a year from and said, where are you at? What would you tell them professionally? Professionally? Uh, I can easily say the quintessential answer, like, I'm right where I need to be. I could right. say that. Of course. But, uh, in, in, but that's not you. That's not me. That's, <laughs> that's not why me. I asked. If somebody asked me where I'm at, I'm definitely in the middle of my office for Painted in Blue. Um, Probably not living in New York. Okay. Uh, Either Philly or California, one or the other. And um, I'll be covered in paint. Nice. Covered in paint. Signing, signing a million dollar check. There you go. That's it. All right. And last but not least, you know, we like to give people value. Um, I like to call it reach one, teach one. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you want to tell artists that just are trying to figure things out? What's one piece of actionable advice you want to give them? Rule number one, if you feel it in your heart, do not stop. Because people are so like we live in a social media age where it's so easy to get caught up in comparison or opinion like people's opinion if you make your work for you continue to do that no matter what stage you're on um and if you have a dream just keep following it and just know that it's not going to happen literally as cliche as it sounds it will not happen overnight 
you will be going through going through lots of heartbreak, losing money, losing friends and things of that nature. But you have to remember that it's all for a greater purpose and be limitless. Don't allow yourself to be boxed in. When another opportunity comes, you don't have to take it for the simple fact of taking it. But if you feel your heart is moving in that direction, just do it. You just don't have to give up your original. Just do it. So live limitless and never stop. That is a that is a great way to end the interview. Um, Joseph's boy, I want to thank you for sharing the toys and tech of your trade. Oh, love. And we'll make sure to include all the links to find all of Josie's boy's work in the show notes for this episode. Thanks a lot, brother. Thank you, sir. All right, that wraps up our interview with Josie's boy. To find out more about Josie's boy and to keep up with his work, we're going to include uh, links to all his different social media profiles in the show notes for this episode. And, of course, if you want to check out brand new episodes of Call Me When It's Over, you can look for them every Saturday on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and the Google Play Store. As for us here at RageWorks, you can keep up with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we also have a Facebook group as well. Uh, the best way to engage with us if you want to really engage with our content, though, is definitely via the Facebook group or via Instagram, just because Twitter, it's it's tougher to engage on a consistent basis, and Facebook with the algorithm changes just makes it harder and harder to interact with you guys directly. But as always, you can use those methods to engage with us on social. If you want to be on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, you can email me, rich at rageworks.net. You can also fill out the contact form on the site, and we will definitely try and set something up. Last but not least, as always, you can find new episodes of Toys and Tech of the Trade every other Tuesday on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and the Google Store. All right, guys, thank you guys for checking out this brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace.